Zion Baptist, and to all our friends out there join us this morning. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. I want to take some time out to announce uh, as we look to try to have communion in our way. Uh, so feel free to reach out to the church uh, to notify us as we want to help maybe distribute or have maybe you come pick up uh, so we can celebrate communion uh, in the comfort of your home uh, together virtually uh, together on a Sunday. So reach out to Zion. You can call us uh, or get on our website, zionbcpeoria.com. I'll be happy to receive your email information so we can include all to be a part of our communion uh, service, those in the Peoria area that we can definitely reach out to um, and provide that information. As we continue on in our worship uh, uh, moment, uh, we definitely continue to pray for our community, continue to pray uh, for our world and our nation as we are consistently dealing and trying to make our way through this pandemic. Uh, places are opening up, things are changing, uh, but still we have to be vigilant, um, be wise, so continue to practice uh, safe hygiene, safe social distancing, uh, protecting yourself when you can, uh, when you are out in other places and in areas uh, so that you can continue to protect yourself and protect others. Uh, we want to continue to pray for those who are still dealing with so much grief and so much loss of life and suffering, um, especially in our community. Uh, we want to continue to pray. And then also we want to pray for enlightenment, for God's word to minister to us um, at this moment and this time. And so join me with prayer. Uh, Father, though, we are grateful for this the day you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. God, we ask right now that you continue to Help our nation to heal together, to come together. Help us, Father Lord, not only see healing uh, from this virus and this pandemic, but healing emotionally, spiritually, Almighty God, where there's so much stress, so much pain, so much suffering happening. Uh, we ask you to continue to bless the frontline workers as essential workers, those who are helping us to maintain some aspect, Lord, of our lives. We ask you to bless their coming in and their going out. Bless their families and comfort them. Lord, we ask for comfort for those who are still grieving and mourning loss and are suffering uh, right now. We just ask for your comfort. We ask for your peace right now in the name of Jesus. And, and now, Lord, we ask as we prepare to hear a word from you to open up our hearts as we open up your word. May we hear a word from you. May we see Jesus and may we have your word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against you. Guide us, direct us as only you can, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. If you open up your Bible and join in with me, it will be in the Philippians still, walking through our time in this letter of the first chapter, looking today at verses 20 to verses 26. Uh, we want to talk about uh, the themes deal with about living unashamed. Um, and so as we get into this, remember Paul writes this letter uh, from the place of imprisonment. Paul is in prison in Rome and he writes this letter to his friends who helped to he establish a church uh, in Philippi. And while he's in prison, he's writing a letter to friends. He's writing to a church that's possibly dealing with some kind of internal conflict, promoting and he's encouraging them to have unity. Uh, he's sharing with them the joy of preaching this gospel, which why he is in change. He introduces to them a friend of him who is he calls also a cold slave 
a bond servant to the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ and, and Timothy. And he prays a prayer of thanksgiving with joy, saying every time I think of you, I, I praise and I thank God. And then he also talks about how he has confidence that he who's begun a good work in you will complete it until the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so Paul is convinced that because of the gospel message that's working in you and through you, it's transforming you. And he's praying that I will see the goodness come out of you. Then also in verse 19, where we're going to pick up afterwards today, he says that I'm convinced, I'm confident that I will see you Again, And so he's pointing out that because of your prayers and because of the, the powerful deliverance of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I will see you again. And so this is a part of his prayer that he's confident that he wants to see them grow. He wants to see them grow in love, knowledge, wisdom and understanding. And he wants to see that fruit when he comes back in fellowship with them again. And so this is the beauty and this is the joy of serving God and glorifying God. And so Paul's excited about this gospel message. And so I want to talk about how he's going to talk about being unashamed and, and how we, too, can be unashamed. And think about what shame comes. Shame comes from doubt. Uh, shame comes when we do things that we are we know that are wrong. Uh, shame comes from our conscience, knowing that it confirms that we have done something we should not have done. And so Paul's pointing out that we are no longer living a life of shamefulness, but we're living a life of excellence, a life of holiness, a life of righteousness as we pursue this gospel that Jesus Christ has called us to. And here's the situation is that Paul is in a shameful condition. He's in chains. Um, that's not something that someone's very proud to say, yeah, I'm in prison. But yet he's pointing out that I'm in prison because of preaching this gospel and I am not ashamed for doing it for what is right. So henceforth, how in civil rights, right, many civil rights leaders went to jail in order to fight for what was right. So they were not ashamed to go to jail knowing that I'm fighting for a greater good. And so here it is that Paul understands that I'm fighting for a greater good. What I'm doing is for the furtherance of the gospel. And he points out in this letter that since I've been in chains, what the gospel has continued to go forth. And some have preached boldly. Some have preached uh, more efficiently. But some, of course, he points out there's some bad people out there uh, that were preaching for pretense purposes and for his pain. But yet his goal is that I'm going to focus on the positive. As long as Christ is being preached, I get joy from that situation. So I want to encourage you as we look at this letter, how we can live unashamed and have joy as we stay focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so join with me as we read through this text now in the Philippians uh, chapter one, beginning there at verse 20. The word of God reads this way. I'm reading from the New Living uh, Translation. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For me, for, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow 
and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Praise God for his word. And so here it is that Paul's pointing out that I expect, uh, you know, he has a hope, he has a confidence that he will never uh, be ashamed. Knowing that he's in this current situation, knowing that he's in a situation that does not look good to the eye, internally he has peace, he has contentment, knowing that he's doing it for the gospel's sake. And so Paul's faith in the gospel gives him peace regardless of what he's going through. And, and here's the situation that he understands, I'm living for the Lord. And he understands that the Lord will lead him in the right direction. And Paul knows this as his own personal testimony, he was going the wrong direction. He was not in right relationship with Jesus when he was persecuting the church. And so he was on his way to Damascus for one reason, and God changed his reason for going. It says in Acts, the ninth chapter, verses three and six, that it says, as he was approaching Damascus on the mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuted. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. I want to highlight that last part that Paul was obedient after he was knocked off his beast and, and told to go and you will be told what to do. And once Paul received his instructions, he is not turned back. Paul ha- was being was persecuting the church and now he's living for Christ, being persecuted for living for Christ. Uh, Paul understood I was going to Damascus to persecute the church. Now we learn to, to be a part of the church. And so it's sort of like that song that we sing in our lives, that we were running the wrong direction. And we made up our mind and we changed and we decided to follow Jesus. And the, the old hymn you could sing is that I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Paul's not turning back from where he's come. He's come and says, I'm not going to give up on this gospel message. No matter how hardships may come, no matter how persecution may come, no matter how many might seek my bad, no matter what conditions I might be in, no matter how much tragedy my life might face, I know that because I live in a sin-sick world, tragedy is going to come, but yet I know my Jesus lives. And since he lives, I have a hope, I have a confidence that things are going to get better because he's coming back again and he's going to make everything thing right. And so this is the confidence that Paul has that it might be hard, it might be rough, but yet I'm not going to give up on this gospel message. I have decided to follow Jesus. And when we make up our mind to follow Jesus, as Paul has made up our mind, we understand that there's no turning back. And so Paul teaches us that living for Christ is, is in our life and it is in our death. Our faithfulness is until he calls us home or until he returns that we got to live. And so remember the civil rights illustration, right? Those who went to jail and in prison for civil rights. Matter of fact, Martin Luther King points out this, that life isn't worth living until you have found something worth dying for. And, and he says this knowing that his life was in danger, knowing he was receiving threats, but he was fighting 
for what was right. And here's the situation that many of us in our times that we got to find that motivation about what's worth living for. And living for Christ is worth living for because notice what Christ did for us. He died for us. He died so that we might have life. And so he shows us that in order for us to live, too, we, too, must be living for Christ. And Paul points this out in verse 21 of Philippians first chapter. He says, for me, for to me, living means living for Christ and dying is even better. But he points out living can be more fruitful. And so Paul is struggling. What is more fruitful? Because he's torn between the two desires. I long to go be with Christ, which will be better for me. But yet he understands that. I have to stay here and preach this gospel for your sakes. It's better that I continue to live. So he's pointing out that my life is for Christ. And so whether I live or whether I die is for Christ. And here's a situation I want you to grab that our life is for Christ. So whether we live or we die is for Christ. It all comes together. So what he's pointing out here is that. I could be absent from this world and be present with him, which we know is way better than dealing with this world. But Paul understands that that's not my assignment. I have to still be here and do. But yet he has joy either way because preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel, others will come to know Christ and to have that celebration and have that experience. And also he knows that if he is absent, he'll be with Christ. But here's a beautiful thing that whether we're here on earth or whether he calls us home, he is with us. He is forever present with us, gifting us with the peace of the Holy Spirit. So we're waiting for that day of that true healing and salvation and resurrection. But while we're still on this earthly journey, we got to be able to endure the pain, the trials, the tribulations that are to come and still be not ashamed of this gospel that can save and, and that it can heal. And redeem those who are in need. And so Paul points out, points this out that I understand this gospel message is for healing, is for growth, is for purpose. And so I got to decide where I want to live. And he found out that this is worth living for and it's worth dying for. Think of the things that you matter, that matter mostly, why you get angry about them, because they, they touch you, they mostly get with you. And so here's Paul mostly touched or understanding that whether I'm going to stay here is for the gospel. Or whether I go home is for the gospel. Either way, I got to live for the gospel. Notice a common denominator is that he's living for Christ. And here's a situation to encourage you to understand that there's a there's a situations may change in our lives. Things may may come and go. But one thing that's always going to be consistent is that Christ is king. He is Lord. And we must continue to serve him and humble ourselves before him. And so here it is that Paul is in change. He's in a shameful condition, but he's not ashamed because he understands that I am doing this for the gospel's sake. And so when we're doing things for the gospel, it's going to help us. It's going to encourage us to be better parents, to be better uh, husbands and wives, to, to be better co-workers, be better friends, because we understand that I may be putting up with endurance and, and pain and suffering and tribulations, but yet I know there's a good goal at the end, and the goal is to bring glory and honor to God by obeying what he's called me to do. Even when others are doing wrong around me, I'm going to choose to do what is right. Even when the right is hard and the easy, the wrong is easy, I'm going to choose to do the hard right, even though I might be ridiculed. I might be uh, shamed and talked about, but I won't be ashamed because Christ will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, 
Paul's pointing out to us that we got to have that same matter. Though. What matters most? What matters most is that God is pleased with our actions and our attitude. I don't need somebody to pat me on the back who's wrong when I know what to do is right. God is calling us to, to go above and beyond whatever the world asks you to do because, you know, the world standards shift and change from day to day. But God is the same today as he was yesterday and he will be tomorrow. He is the everlasting God. And since God is in control, let us surrender and submit. Say, Lord, my life is in your hand and I will trust you and I will follow you whether I live, whether I die. And when Paul's pointing this out to us and he looks at verse 25 and 26, it says, knowing this, that I am convinced that I will remain alive as I continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will ha have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. See, Paul understands that what God is doing through me is for your benefit. So I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. I know that I'm going to see my deliverance. I know I'm going to see the fruit of my work. And so Paul is encouraged uh, by this. So I want to encourage you that no matter what you're going through, God loves you. He cares for you and he wants you to do what is right. So don't. Un so understand that the gospel is your life. Paul desires to see Christ and also others desires to see Christ. And this gospel message will help others to know that Christ is real. Hope in time of darkness, hope in time of pain, hope in time of suffering to let them know that as Paul has a, a, a hope, and an expectancy to not to be ashamed. We too have the same hope, the same joy, the same peace, knowing that God is able to do what only he can do. And so we can live unashamed and let Jesus work through us. Notice the last part he says. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. And I want to encourage you, as you are living this unashamed life of this gospel, to be open for God to work in you and through you. And here's the situation that there's, there's some situations in our lives that God has to work with us on. But we have to be open. We have to go just like any kind of uh, a doctor's appointment. You have to go to that appointment and you have to acknowledge and go through the process. And same situation where we have to come before the Lord. We have to submit to him and say, Father, have thine way, have thine own way. And even if it hurts and it removes us, knowing that he's only doing it for our benefit and for our good. And, and some of us have some issues in our lives that God has to deal with. And it might take some time of therapy. It might take some time of rehabilitation. But think about it, that God will not leave you alone. He's going to coach you through the Holy Spirit for that healing and that recovery. And so you don't have to live in shame and guilt and pain, but say, Lord, here I am. Work through me. Let me have the same confidence as Paul has, trusting that you who's begun a good work will continue until our day of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I am going to live unashamed by praying, studying your word and staying connected to you. So this is my prayer for you. Let us pray. Father, we want to be unashamed. We want to be broken before you so that we can be healed. Touch us as only you can. Fill us up, oh God. And pour us out. Just to fill, you, fill us back up again with your presence. 
Take, Lord, everything that's not like you and remove it so that we can have more of you in our lives, so that our hearts will be clear, our minds will be clear, that we can live in obedience of your gospel and show others this great hope that we have through you, in you, as you work through us. This is all for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' great name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. Jesus loves you. And so do I. Again, if you are looking to join us for a community in the Peoria area, please call the church or get on our website or email. And we try to coordinate a way to pick up and distribute the communion so we can continue to break bread together. Uh, we love you. God bless you. To be continued.